Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by Dr. Jody Jones DDS. We're part of the 440 Sports Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today is Luke Wyatt. We will discuss Vanderbilt's win at Georgia. Luke appears on the guest line that's presented by Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group. Michael is a local carpenter and a lifelong Vandy fan. He builds bookshelves, cabinets, picture frames, furniture, and made-to-order items, including a display case for my prized Dale Murphy jersey. I've seen Michael's work. He's a true craftsman. If you're in the market for custom woodwork, give Michael a call at 615-830-9458. Now on to our conversation with Luke Wyatt. <laughs> Luke Wyatt joins me on the podcast today as he does every Monday. Luke, thanks for joining us today. Good morning, Chris. I, I hope you had a great weekend and uh, recharged your batteries a little bit uh, and uh I had an interesting one myself, but uh, not as fun as yours, I don't think. Yeah, I got a chance, and I I'm literally do this maybe every three or four years. My wife and I got a chance to spend about a day and a half out of town with no kids and no in-laws. Uh, so we did that in Chattanooga this weekend, and I, I learned something interesting. Apparently, I have the power to speak things into existence. <laughs> yes, you do. Well, you don't even know. You don't even know yet. But this is this is you know. I did a podcast with George Plaster a week and a half ago that I aired last Friday, and the question had come up about what are your future plans for Vandy Sports, and I said, well, I have given it some thought before and spells. What happens if I get hit by a bus? Um, and so, guess what happened in Chattanooga? Are you kidding me? Well, that's that's taking some license, but I had to laugh after just mentioning that. Uh, we were we were parked in a parking spot, and I look up, and here comes a bus. Uh, next thing I know, I, I can reach out, and, and the side of the bus is literally inches from my car. Um, and the bus has scraped the side of my mirror and left a left a mark on the side of the bus. And the lady driving the bus didn't know she had done it. My wife gets out and says, hey, what are you doing here? And uh, then she gets out and looks and discovers, hey, if I move the bus any further, I might sideswipe your car. So we had to wait, I don't know, 15 minutes for the bus company to come and then to hire a more skilled driver to pull out without hitting us because we were up against the curb. And if we had moved over, I probably would have scraped uh the tar out of my wheels, but anyway, it was it was funny. I, I started laughing. My wife sitting there going, "We almost get hit by a bus," and I was like, "Well, honey, that that might actually be my fault." <laughs> yeah, you got you have to take credit for this one, Chris. How, right, how right I do. <laughs> right, it, but it was it did. I did have a laugh. I was like, you know, I just I did bring up getting hit by a bus last week, and and here we go. Um, <laughs> I guess I, uh, I guess Jerry Stackhouse is speaking winning into existence. I don't know how else to explain it. Vanderbilt goes to Athens without Liam Robbins, wins a game against a respectable Georgia team. I saw the last fifteen seconds. All I saw was the box score. I saw it half. Vanderbilt was eight of twelve from three. I, I did see the last fifteen seconds where Ezra Magnon was hitting a lot of foul shots and. 
Vanderbilt committed a stupid foul but hung on anyway. And since you really saw it and I didn't, let's just get your take here. Yeah, we go, you know, it, honestly, to be honest with you, after after hearing the news again, you know, this is two straight games. We find out on the day of the game or maybe the night before, late the night before, that you've lost Liam Robbins and then you lose Lee Dort. So now you're down to one real true five in Quentin Malore Brown. And I'm thinking, you know, it's going to be a tough, a big order to win at Athens. You know, they had not lost a home game. They were either 10-0 and or 11-0 and at home and uh, playing well. And I thought, well, this is going to be the day when we lay a complete egg. Well, I was completely wrong. And I want to give a ton of credit to Coach Stackhouse and those kids because they played their butts off um, probably the most – even though that second half against Arkansas was incredibly efficient, the full game, with the exception of a couple of bonehead plays by Studi and uh, a couple other guys, uh, they played about as good as they can play uh, without a true post player. And uh, I, I was I was a little bit surprised, Chris. I, I really was. But uh, Ezra played the best game I think he's played at Vanderbilt. Um, he was quick on quick. And uh, defensively, it was his best game for sure. So they put all that together and then hitting 10 threes. You know, Jerry had said before, and I, and I agree with this, the recipe for us to win is to hit 10 to, 10 to 12 threes. And I think that's true. And I think that'll continue to be true the rest of the way. This has been a bizarre season in a number of ways. And Jerry Stackhouse was right about one thing that I kind of laughed about at the time. Uh, they lose – 60 to 48 to Southern Miss back on November 11th. And he says in the post game, something along the lines of offense isn't our problem. That'll come around. Defense is our issue. And I'm like, you just scored 48 points against Southern Miss. Um, right. Fast forward two months. Here's some stats. And I know you don't like stats as much as I do, but these are interesting. Vanderbilt 43rd in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency and 157 on defense. And when I get into the offensive numbers, it will make no sense. But And here's what makes even less sense. Like, Scottie Pippen Jr. was one of the better offensive players in the league. I just thought offensively what they won't be anywhere near what they are without him. And defensively was where he – we all thought he struggled. Last year they were 90 in offense and 40 in defense. I have no way to explain any of this. Do you? Well, let me take a stab at it. I think offensively, the reason why we're more efficient is because it was kind of a one-man show, and you got a lot of guys standing around getting stagnant with Scotty. Uh, nothing. I'm not taking anything away from Scotty in his game, but you know, at the end of games or the last five minutes of a ball game, it's it was all Scotty. You know, hitting, getting to the line and hitting uh, foul shots which is a feather in his cap, but I do think that that affected the team offense. I think when everyone's involved, which I think if I'm not mistaken, and you would know better than me, the last two or three games, we've had either four or five guys in double figures. So it's a more balanced attack. And uh, that kind of works because if you've got one guy not playing well and you still got three or four more hitting on all cylinders, then you're okay. Whereas when if Scotty had a bad night, then Vanderbilt had a bad night. That's my that's my uh, assumption. 
I, that's that's as good as anything I've got. I'm looking at their Ken Palm page. It doesn't make any sense to me. It has four factors. One of them is effective field goal percentage. They're 189 in that. Turnover percentage, they are 83rd in that. Offensive rebounding percentage, they are 72nd. And free throw attempts to field goal attempts, they are 162nd nationally. Now, and if you unwind it further, it makes less sense. They are 213th nationally in, in three-point efficiency, 160th in two-point efficiency, and 189th in foul shooting percentage. I don't know how that adds up to the 43rd best offensive team in the country, but that's what Ken Palm's got. You know, I think it adds up, and this is why. When we're bad, we're awful. And when we're good, we're really, really good. So there's not a, mid- there's not a middle ground there to uh, to speak of. So you have to, you know, you add in all those really bad numbers that we had in those non-conference games, and then you put them with the great halves and great and, and good games that we've had, you know, every game we have, except for what two, has been less than double figure losses. So yeah. you know, I, I, they play I everybody close. I, yeah, we really do. Good or bad, and, and when, when the ball doesn't stick on offense, like it did didn't the other day, you know, you had guys confidently shooting the basketball, uh, and and you know, going back to the Alabama game for a second, I know Alabama's a lot better than Georgia, but their, and their length is incredible, but we still had open shots that we missed against Alabama. That could have been a lot closer game if we hit 50% of those. So it, again, it just comes down in simple to the simple thing is that if you hit your threes, you can stay in every game and have a chance to win. He does seem to be a pretty fair offensive coach. I think so. And, and the kids just, I mean, the kids love him. I do think, yeah. There's been a lot of criticism to Jerry, but I have the one that I've not heard this year is what I mean. I know he's had some some tiffs with guys here and there, but I do think you're right. I do think that the players really do like playing for him. And honestly, that's that's all that matters in the big scheme of things. If they play hard and play well for him, uh, what he does socially with uh, social media and that type of stuff, you know, I don't care about it because I'm not on it all the time, but I understand that it's not, it doesn't serve you well. And I think maybe he's figured that out or someone's helped him figure that out. Yeah. And for people that didn't notice, he unblocked a lot of people on Twitter this weekend that included me. How do you think that came about? You know, I, I don't have any idea. If I had to guess, I would think there were some conversations with either he and Candace or he and uh, maybe even Daniel Deermeyer through Candace. I don't know. Someone brought it up to him, obviously. Um, I know Joey had made a comment that she was in the press conference after which game was it? The Alabama game, maybe? And that uh, that's not I, a normal. I think it was Arkansas. Yeah. So, so that not being a normal thing, maybe there's been some more conversations there. Uh, I don't know, but obviously something has, has turned. And, and, you know, his demeanor after the Alabama situation where he was visibly upset about the Darius Miles situation at Alabama maybe kind of told him, look, I need to quit taking some things so serious and shut my mouth and uh, just start, you know, erase the board and go back to square one on some things. 
Yeah, that was a weird press conference. I wasn't in the room for it. I was doing some writing, but that was just an odd. I mean, I get it, I guess, but it, you know, where he crumples up the box score and says it doesn't matter. It, it, that was a not a look you usually see from a coach. No, and he, and he was he, emotionally. Uh, he was he was authentic. He, he was. Yeah, I, I think that I think so too. I, I think that. And, and sorry to interrupt you. The, the one thing that I do really like about Jerry, I do think he cares about his players. I do think he tries to be a positive influence. I, I do think he has a soft spot for kids who have come from bad backgrounds or whatever. I do think that part about him is very authentic. I agree. I totally agree with that. And uh, moving forward, we just, uh, you know, like I said, I'm I'm the guy that, not the big stat guy like you are, but I do think you take it at two games, two games at a time. And I said before the Alabama game, if we get a split, we're still okay, uh, even without Liam and and Dort. Uh, I mean, not, at the time, not knowing they would be out for four to six weeks, um, I, I just think the same thing. We got Kentucky at home Tuesday. It being in the middle of the week, maybe not as many Kentucky fans that are will be there if it would have been a Saturday game. So that may help us a little bit. Uh, hopefully our students and a few more of our fans will show up and we have a good atmosphere tomorrow night. Well, again, I didn't get to see anything other than the last 15 seconds. So I don't have a lot to offer here other than the box score. Um, one thing that's interesting is Miles Studi hits all four of his threes, and again, the team shot the three well this weekend. Do you have anything else to add on the game before yeah, we can, move I into can, the mailbag? I, yeah, I'd like to. Uh, first half, I mean, I think we led 25 or 26 minutes of the – excuse me, 35 or 36 minutes of the game. We led pretty much wire to wire. There was a couple of times that Georgia got the lead, but we maintained a five- to seven-point lead most of the game. Um, we gave up that 11-0 run at the end, and it was because, you know, I, Coach Stack got a lot of criticism because we kind of went to the weave where we kind of, you know, don't go into our offense till 10 or 12 seconds left on the clock, and they blame that and say, well, we got out of our rhythm. I'm not so sure that was the case, but Georgia pushed up the intensity much like Tennessee did on us for those last few minutes. But I will tell you this. Um, Without having Liam, Quentin Malore Brown, whatever for whatever reason, he played his best game by far with 11 rebounds, seven points, but he was all over the place, diving for loose balls. And uh, it's going to take that type of effort out of him until one of those two guys get back to for us to be successful. Are you ready for the mailbag? I am. All right. Our mailbag is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk. And here's the read, um, which is sponsored by a family-owned, <laughs> excuse me, is a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200 to see what your rights are and if they can help. You'd think I'd have that memorized by now. Um, I feel like Anchorman. They took my teleprompter away there for a minute. Um Okay, let's start here. Door fan six. How do you feel about Vandy fans selling their tickets to opposing fans in basketball and football? Personally, it ticks me off, he says. I I don't think there's a mystery how you feel, but uh, <laughs> since you were asked, I will let you answer. Well, I, I said this on one of our other podcasts. I, it disgusts me 
And I was not the most popular guy in the athletic department about that subject because I would tell them face to face, you know, if I was the athletic director, I'd fire you because if you're if now I'm talking about employees right now, because that happens even with employees of the department, you know, Still, we, right. get compl- we get complimentary tickets and then you turn around and sell them to an opposing team to cheer against the places paying your, giving you a paycheck. To me, that's disgusting. Uh, as far as fans, you know, again, I, I don't like it, but uh, it's their dollars. And if they feel like, well, I can pay for my season ticket by selling my tickets to the Tennessee and Kentucky game, but uh, then don't complain about the crowd and don't complain about it's not winning because you're contributing to it. Okay, I'm just going to go in order of questions here, which means we're going to be jumping all over the place. Go towards 94. What are your recollections of the old football stadium? What, who led the drive to rebuild it? How was the rebuilt stadium received at the time? And in retrospect, was the rebuild done well? Uh, I assume we're talking about when, when we rebuilt it from the, uh, in 81. Or 82, yeah, whatever it's got it was. to be. Uh, Rory Kramer. Roy Kramer and John Rich at the time. Uh, John Rich was instrumental in it big time with some other people that he knew in the oil business, uh, a coal business. And uh, I give those two probably the biggest amount of credit. Uh, but and, and as far as it done well, you know, our stadium and West Virginia Stadium were built by the same folks. And I think, except for capacity, is pretty much if you look at the stadium's inner workings or whatever, they look identical. So it, the stadium's fine. There's a couple of sight lines that are a problem where you can't see corners of the end zone. But besides that, it's a, I mean, it's a lot better uh, sight lines than a lot of stadiums in the SEC. Okay. Poor Vandy fan 615 with Robbins and Dort out for the foreseeable future. Do you think other players will continue to step up as we saw in the Georgia game? How do you think the team can match up with Kentucky's Sheboy, Florida's Castleton, and many of the SEC's other talented centers without Robbins and Dort? Well, Sheboy's a problem no matter what, even with Liam. I think that's even a bad matchup for Liam because of Sheboy's strength and quickness. But um, it, it's it's what, what Quentin did Saturday again. He's going to have to continue to do, and we're going to have to stay out of foul trouble. Uh, have to. That's the only way we can – uh, do well against Kentucky, I think. I knew there was something I meant to ask you, and it was this. What is up with all the midseason injuries they've had? And that goes to women's basketball, too. I, I don't know. It's it's mind-boggling to me. Someone on the board, and I'm sure you saw it, posted since 2016 the injuries that we've had with key players. And that's the thing. It's, it's, it's always been our best or second-best player, um, or maybe most important player. Maybe I should put it that way. I I don't know. Uh, midfoot sprains, I understand. Liam, you know, he had health problems and foot problems before he got here. Right. So yeah, I, I don't look at that one uh, with much, or, uh, much, uh, much of a question. But the other guys, you know, I, I don't understand. Now, the way you practice, uh, the, the way the floor is at Memorial, who knows? You know, as always, always – opinions on that stuff the strength staff the training staff i just think we've had some buzzard luck as you call it and it's just unbelievable for the women if you'll remember this back when melanie was here we had a rash i want to say two or three 
uh, same type of thing that that Shay Ralph has had uh, right toward the end of her career as well. So that's been a long time too. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I really don't. VA 72, in the days of Woody Woodenhoff, I remember Vanderbilt dropping tickets, my institution for free distribution. I began attending games and later purchased season tickets. At some point, the practice was discontinued. Wouldn't this be a good way to help develop the fan base? You know, I sat in meetings when I was at Vanderbilt about this, uh, and everyone's bouncing ideas off of each other. And you'd get half the, half the people in the meeting a table of 20 people and half the people would say, Oh, well, you devaluing your product when you start giving away stuff. I, I remember when we were really down in football back in the seventies, you used to could get tickets off of bunny bread. And uh, you know, if that's what it takes to fill the stadium with people that are going to support Vanderbilt, get it to the youngest fans you can. And uh, hopefully you win that day. And then they come back. I've heard so many people tell me that our Vanderbilt fans when they were young, well, we went and we won that day and I got hooked. You know, if you go yeah. and you get B50, then if you get, you're probably not going back even if you get a free ticket. But if you, if you go and you win the game, so that's important too. So it's got to be timing and a little bit of luck there. But uh, I, I think you should do any, anything and everything you can to put butts in the seats. All right, look at it this way. Take out Tennessee and Kentucky. We'll see what those will be. But what do you have in a building for a game? 10,000 max these days? Oh, Nine to 10,000? No. I'm saying, I'm saying throw out Tennessee and Kentucky because they're going to bring a lot of their own people. What's the most that you right. can put in the building for Vanderbilt basketball right now? Uh, I would say about 7,500. Yeah. Because I mean, season tickets. I would think season tickets are anywhere in the four to five range. That's just by judging that gym, because you got the you got the true yeah. fans are going to show every time, and I think that's it. I think the Pittsburgh game was the perfect barometer because you had a good team, a non conference. You were honoring the uh, the eighty eight team, and there was about five thousand there for that. So I think you get seventy five hundred. Say say Auburn or somebody like that. Although I think there'll be a lot of Auburn people here too, the way they're playing, they're playing well right now. Yeah. So are you, are you talking just Vandy fans or people in the building? Period, including opposing fans. No, I'm talking about Vandy fans. Vandy fans. Okay, so yeah. So add another two two thousand twenty five hundred. Maybe you're looking at ten thousand in the building max, right? There's a there's a point that right. I'm getting to. Yeah. Okay. Alabama so you still got. So you still got four thousand plus seats left. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: you put you give away four thousand free tickets. I don't know that that's the the right plan, but I'm just throwing this out there, right? Right. Some of those people are going to buy concessions. They're going to pay to park. They're going to do whatever. Um, most of those people are are probably going to buy something. I shouldn't say most, but a lot. Right. Even if even if one out of four thousand people you know, drops five bucks on popcorn or whatever. That's $5 more than what you had. Sure. The point I'm getting at is now maybe you, maybe you lose some of the season ticket sales because people are going, hey, why buy the tickets if I can get them for free? There, There is some pullback on that. But the point is, I think when you need a fan base and just getting a person in the building gives you a chance to 
make some revenue on other things. For that alone, it's worth considering. I agree with you. Now, what you can't do, and this was, like I said, in those meetings we'd have, the argument of devaluing your product, as long as you give them where there's not going to be seats sold. In other words, the free tickets you give would have to be in 3F and 3L. Right. Maybe some upper decks on the sides. But because those aren't going to be sold anyway, it doesn't matter. They're just collecting dust. So why not give them to Vandy fans or a fan that's first-time experience at a ball game, and they're neutral and want to see what it's like. Because the atmosphere in Memorial, you know as well as I do, Chris, I'm not talking about back when Foz and Sphere and Four were there and we were the only game in town and everybody in Nashville wanted to come see us. I'm talking about to the Shane Foster times. That game was electric. And it can be that way again. Now, I don't think with the climate anymore that you're going to get 15th. I'm kind of, and I'll probably get some pushback on this, I'm of the opinion that you might want to tuck capacity and utilize those upper decks for something else. I don't know yeah. for office space, whatever. I'm of the opinion, you know, Georgia's atmosphere, and they usually have a dead crowd. It was packed and sold out to the rafters Saturday. I was surprised by that. They had 10,000. That's all it seats. But, you know, if you had 10 to 12,000 just Vanderbilt fans, then you're going to have the same atmosphere you had anyway. Yeah. I mean, I guess what you could do is you could put chairbacks everywhere that might be reduce capacity yeah. a little bit, make the experience a little bit better. I mean, the gym is starting to look yeah. old. The seats, I, I think, is, have been oh. there since 1920. I mean, I'm, that's a joke, but you know what I mean. The benches are looking a little dated, and there's some charm to that. Yeah. I get it, but. There is. You know, I go to Fenway Park every once in a while. I don't know if you've ever sat in some of those seats, but they were the original seats in Fenway. Oh, and they're goodness. horrible. Yeah. They're horrible. It's like on a rock, but it's Fenway Park. So no one complains. And that's what I, somebody, I think Joe Biddle even coined this phrase. He said, Memorial Gym is the Fenway Park of college basketball. And I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. JDL Cav, you and Chris have spoken many times about the Vanderbilt fan base and how it is currently small and your experience. What has been the largest size of the fan base? Do you think that the largest, what do you think the largest could realistically be large enough to consistently dominate the football stadium against every team? Says, I went to Vanderbilt many moons ago. The basketball team was excellent. Memorial Gym was consistently packed. Um, Well, we just kind of talked about that in basketball and football. I can remember the, believe it or not, the peak of season ticket sales because I was close with the ticket manager at the time was. 1995, when Rod Dowhower was our head coach, we sold 26,000 season tickets. That's the most we've ever sold. Now, one of one of the reasons was Notre Dame was on the schedule. So that pumped it up some. Um, and there wasn't a secondary market like there is today. So to me, if, 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 if football stadium held 30,000 or 35 instead of 41, you could get it uh, if, if we start going to consistently to bowl games. You could get it to where you have only ten thousand of the other teams' fans in there, and twenty five thousand Vanderbilt. The largest I remember was the early eighties. I remember going to the Hall of Fame Bowl as a little kid, and that that place was packed with Vanderbilt fans. Right. Well, you know, when we go to a bowl. That's the thing. They, all of our fans come from all over the country just to go to a bowl because it was such a rare thing. Um, 
if we start going to bowls every other year, I don't think our crowds will be quite as good because you know how it is when you when you if you do something over and over again that they kind of become right, kind of like baseball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, when did the stadium in football get start to get taken over with regularity? I don't remember that being a thing. I know Tennessee used to do it, but I don't remember that being a thing. Oh, maybe until the two thousands. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it has been a thing except when we played Tennessee or Alabama. I used to have Chris. One of my first jobs at Vanderbilt. I don't know if I've shared this with you. When I was working part time before I became a full time employee, I had all the program vendors. I was in charge of that also on game day. And when we play Alabama, we'd sell out every program, and it would be bought by eighty percent Alabama fans. So Alabama and Tennessee. Uh, besides those two teams, and it's obvious why Tennessee, you know, you're in the state of Tennessee, but, the, you know, I, no other teams like Georgia, and maybe it was because Georgia was mediocre then. They weren't great. I mean, they were good. They had their times, but they weren't what they are today. I, I, I dare say the first year Kirby Smart was there and we beat them in Athens uh, when Zach Cunningham made that great play on fourth down. You know, that team, if it would have been played in Nashville, would not have had that many fans there. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast has been made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. Whether your needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody today. Call him 615-270-2322. See him at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown or the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player and a huge Commodore booster, so go and talk Vandy sports with him while you're there. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast because without it, this season would not be possible. I'm not sure. Sorry, my audio went out there. If people didn't hear it, Zach Cunningham won that game by himself. But in any way, um, sorry, having some strange things going on here with the audio. Okay, Trey won. How much is an impact? How much of an impact is NIL on basketball and baseball? Well, after talking to a friend of mine at Alabama this past weekend, our NIL, what we're doing and what Alabama's doing, you can't even compare them. It'd be like Division Two and Division One. So it's an impact. Uh, now I think Tim Corbin's smart enough to know how to dance around it, and if he feels like something's deserved. He's going to get it done, so I don't worry about that. Uh, basketball, I think we lag behind. I just do. I don't have any proof of that. I don't know how much our kids get or how much they don't get, but uh, I think we're. I think we lag behind. Oh, I, I think they do. They they definitely do in baseball. Um, I think with baseball, it's becoming a big factor for them, and not in a good way. Mm, well, uh, hopefully that'll uh, uh, we'll figure that out. We're still ranked in the top ten preseason, so uh, and uh, as long as we have those pitchers we got this year, I, I feel pretty good about things. Yeah, I think sometimes there's 
there's doing things the right way, and sometimes there's avoiding problems by by neglect. Um, <laughs> which Vanderbilt right. sort of been. Does that make sense? No, um, it does. It may, exactly what you're saying. You're seeing nil issues in a lot of places by schools that have gone gone all in on that. Um, I think Vanderbilt is avoiding some issues just by not participating in the arms race. Is that a good way to put it? No, I think you're right. And 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 again, who we uh, who we recruit and the type of kids we recruit, it's not a whole lot of difference right now. I don't think because we don't get the fours and five stars anyway. We never have. Uh, the only five-star recruit I remember in football in my life was uh, Chris Young out of Batesville, Mississippi. I, I, I remember some high fours, Jonathan Lloyd, uh, David Corral, some others, but not not fives. Uh, so we're not getting that anyway. So I, I, I don't know how much we're losing in that whole deal. Now, keeping players, once you develop them, uh, that's my worry. But this year, I, I think we've only lost. We've lost. The, we've had the least amount of transfers of anybody. Is that correct? I think we only have had eight, eight or nine. In in what sport? Football. Yeah, and it's and Texas A and M, who gives more money than anybody, probably had twenty five leave. Well, it's this weird thing, right? Because you're seeing problems with NIL. I think you're seeing it in chemistry. I know you had one school in the East that had some issues when some NIL stuff got out and some kids that had been recruited on NIL who weren't even playing uh, were, were making a lot money than some of the kids who were winning games. And it was like, a, hey, wait a minute. Um, so I know you had that happen at one school. And I think you're having some issues too that kids who were – or 18, 19, get turned loose with a lot of money and not a lot of guidance, that leads to some issues too. Well, I know for a fact there's a school, I won't mention the situation, but, but there's a school in the SEC in basketball that is probably tops in the NIL money, maybe second or third, but they're the top three. And they've had some issues off the field uh, that have been embarrassing and criminal. So, and you're going to get that. You know, think think about it, Chris. When you were that age, if someone gives you a hundred, just just say a hundred thousand for a number to work with, a hundred thousand bucks coming right out of high school. How would you? What would you been smart enough to spend that money the way you should? You know, I might have because we never had a lot to spend as kids, and we were taught to hang on to every bit of it for the most part. But my my guidance at home. And what a lot of these kids get at home are, are very different. Right. That's right. But I, 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 I wouldn't have known I, what to do with it. I would have been so floored that, <laughs> that uh, right. I might have been paralyzed by it all. Yeah, that's, that's right. And, and then again, once you get that money, to me, that's a distraction from what you're there for. It's a right. distraction from your education. It's a distraction from your putting all, being all in on your basketball or football team or whatever it may be. So you're right. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. It can work for you. I think so far the 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 uh, the example that it isn't working well is Texas A&M. No doubt, uh, because Texas A&M was what number six in preseason and didn't even get to a bowl. No, we we were as good as Texas A&M, no doubt. And then they have 25 guys leave. That's that's my other point. You know, 
to me, that's probably, I'm not getting enough money. And we saw a situation at Tennessee there that probably cost them the blowout at South Carolina where there was, that, that, that was caused by an NIL, NIL situation from what I heard. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd heard that rumor, but I didn't know if that was true. Yeah, the weird thing is about once you start introducing more money into things, it just makes for more unhappiness. And it's and like the more money involved, the more potential people have to get unhappy. It's a weird way to explain it. You would think that if you were, you know, paying these kids a couple hundred bucks, that it would sort of work the other way. But it but it really doesn't. No, and I think there should be a cap on it. And I think it should be like, let's just say a. Uh, $4,000 a month, 5000 whatever they decide to, to do. And it should be everybody equally. Because if you don't do that, then you're going to have locker room problems. Now, you're still going to have a problem where the quarterback says, I should get more than the kicker. I get that. But if everybody's getting the same, you at least go back to the way things used to be. Depends on who the kicker is, right? <laughs> you're right. Yeah. If it's uh, Mahar, uh, Mahar at Dallas. <laughs> Yeah, I was was thinking of someone else, but that 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 also. Oh, um, I, I think. Yeah, it, it's um, we're just living in a weird time, and I will give Vanderbilt credit for this. I do think that the the education and the guidance piece that they're starting to put with it, um, I I think there's some wisdom in that. Let me ask you a question, Chris. This is, I, this is my weekly one question I get of you. I was looking at some statistics I saw over the weekend of a percentage of or admittance. I guess that's what it's called. The what percentage of applicants are admitted to Vanderbilt, and I saw where we're like tied for third, and with only seven percent applicants get in. Does that include athletics? I assume it does. Um, I would think it does. Because Stanford is only three or four percent. They're they were leading the way. Yeah. And the only state school I saw in it, or non-private school, I shouldn't say state, was Florida. They were like 30%. Interesting. Which yeah, I guess that's because Florida's got an enormous population. That would be a lot of it. but Right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. West Nash door. Had we beaten Grambling, would we be on the bubble currently? Uh, that That would be a no. No, I think you need two of those. You need that one back and the VCU or the Southern, or any of the other ones. Now, I'll, I'll tell you what did bump us a little bit was Temple beating the number one team in America on their home floor. Right. That was a shock. I, I mean, Temple, to me, was a very average team, and they go in and win at Houston. Uh, and I think Houston's the best team in America, except for free throws. That just shows you how important free throws are. They, they don't shoot the free throws well, and that, that might bite them in the NCAA. Yeah, let's see. Uh, Houston, by the way, still number one in the net despite that loss. Vanderbilt this morning, I think, is in the 80s. 84 is what I saw. Yeah. Uh, 85. Uh, problem is one and five in quad one, three and three in quad two, one and oh in quad three, and five and one in, in quad four. So you got a quad one, you got as many quad one losses as you have quad one wins. Um, Take Grambling out of that; it looks a little different. I would, I would think they'd slide up. I don't know, maybe ten spots or so, but still, just hasn't been a lot of work done. Um, 
when you're four and eight against the top two quads, um, well, yeah, it just doesn't. You still have a chance to to to, to do something because yeah, they, got they, they have a lot of chances coming up. Um, they could they finish five hundred in the league. I don't think that's the craziest. I don't think they will, but uh, maybe maybe if they can well, get I, Robbins back. Um, there's been some talk that he might come back sooner than anticipated, but I'm not anywhere near to declare that a a reality yet. I, I, Chris, one one other thing about the Georgia game that Paul Lewis started the game. Uh, Noah Shelby didn't play because Noah. I, I know why Noah's not playing. That's because of his defensive uh, non prowess. <laughs> that's the way. To put it. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Uh, but Paul Lewis played hit two threes, and you know I, I've I've been big on Paul Lewis, and I don't understand you have. why he got more playing time. I like Paul Lewis as the backup point guard. We are out of questions. Do you have anything else before we end the show today? No, it's just excited about the next two. If we can win somehow tomorrow night, and then you got to go to Texas A and M, and I think A and M is one of those teams that's beatable. They're not an offensive juggernaut. They're obviously well coached with a buzz, but. Uh, you know, I think it'll be one of those close games again if 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 we uh, uh, shoot the ball well. It's that simple. Because we don't turn hey, it over, knock on wood. Yeah. Luke, thanks for joining us. We'll catch you next week. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk, Michael Kendrick of the Kendrick Group, and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. Follow me at ChrisLee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon. <laughs>